0: So, Jesus, we ask you do reign, and you are God of it all. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to know how we can walk under your authority and be channels of your authority. Use scripture to teach us. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, several years ago, for my birthday, the staff put together a video really to show how much they respect me, uh-huh. And uh, I just want to show you a part of that video right now. Take a look at this. Hi, I'm Scott Dudley, and it's my birthday. The thing about Scott Dudley and his water drinking is unbelievable. The thing must hold like a liter. Unbelievable. I mean, the man drinks so much water. All I can think of is, how big is that bladder? So did you know that Scott actually gets his water imported from the Vatican it's holy water that's what he's drinking when he's up there that's that's the secret I want to find a way that we can remember Scott and I think the best thing we could do is to take his clergy robe and bronze it and we can hang it up front You know, that's the question that people always ask, what's underneath those robes? And I just can't tell you. I think that needs to be a secret. Personally, I think it'd be pretty important that we have a statue made um, of Scott Dudley because um, you know how presidents, over time, we all know how they change, they weather, they age. Well, this is also true of senior pastors, and I think it'll be important for us to remember what he looked like. The reason I believe that Scott Dudley should receive a statue is because a, a man of his intellectual prowess, a man of his educational background, being a Stanford professor, deserves a monument I think the statue should be bronze because um Scott after all is no dick Leon and if it were dicks it'd be gold but uh, bronze is a nice compliment to that the Scott Dudley memorial statue I mean what what better icon could we leave Bellevue do I think a statue is gaudy no I don't think a statue is gaudy I think that it's a little arrogant but Scott insisted that we have it here so We gotta do what he says we gotta do. See how much respect I command? And clearly, the staff is in awe of my power over them to fire them, as they all should have been for that. Well, all those jokes about me demanding a statue and them having to do what I tell them to do, and you did know they were jokes, right? You knew that, right? Okay, they're they're jokes. Uh, They get at something that I think all of us face in every relationship, whether it's at work or at home, and that is power struggles. We have power struggles everywhere we go. In marriage, for instance, all kinds of power struggles. Who's going to make the decision, who's in charge over things like, you know, what things should we buy, what movies should we watch, how should we raise the kids? Certainly in parenting, we have all kinds of power struggles, as I experienced yesterday as I was trying to write this sermon, but that's a different story. Sometimes as adults, we experience power struggles with our parents who are still trying to control us, and at work, for sure, all kinds of power struggles as folks vie to have more control, climb up the org chart, and all of that. It's as if there were only two choices in life. I'm either on top or I'm on the bottom. I either win or I lose. I either have power or I'm powerless. But whenever Jesus was faced with a bunch of lousy choices, he always chose none of the above and instead found a third creative, refreshingly different way. And I think we need a third way when it comes from to, to the issue of power struggles because neither is a great option. Right? On the one hand, being powerless clearly a lousy option. But on the other hand, having power over people, controlling others, whether that's overtly or passive-aggressively, that has its limitations too because it destroys relationships. You know, one of the things you learn is that you'll hear this a lot in business uh, leader, uh, seminars. One of the things you learn as a manager or, for that matter, as a teacher or a pastor or a coach or a more dominant friend or spouse in a relationship is that you can get a season or two out of power. You can get people to do stuff for you out of power for a while. But then it just fractures relationships. And people get tired of you bossing them around. And it just destroys relationships. But in the story you read today, Jesus presents a third option between power and powerless. In fact, it's such a different, none of the above way, there's there's not really even a good English word for it, but the word I'm going to use is authority, but not authority the way that we think of that word as in I'm the authority on this subject or the authorities that be or something like that, more akin to moral authority or what I'm going to call it is Christ-like authority, which is very different than the world's authority. And there's there's a difference between power and Christ-like authority. You see, power is the ability to coerce someone into doing something. A boss can fire someone, a cop can arrest someone, a dominant person can intimidate someone. There's a story about a man named Christian Herter who was governor of Massachusetts a while back and and he was running for a second term and there's this one day when he campaigned all day, didn't get anything to eat, got, got to a church barbecue late one night and was just famished. So as he's going through the serving line, the serving lady gave him just one piece of chicken. And so he said, can I please have just another piece? And she said, nope, rule is only one per person. And he goes, come on, man, I'm starving, just one more piece. And she said, nope. So he decided to throw his weight around, and he said, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of this state. And she said, do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Move on, mister. (laughs) That's power, right? Force someone to do something. Authority, on the other hand, especially Christ-like authority, inspires people to want to do something out of their own will. You can see the difference between power and Christ-like authority in the story that we just read about Pilate and Jesus. Pilate has all the power. He's the governor of Judea. But he is clearly rattled by Jesus' strong authority, you know, he keeps trying to strike a deal with the religious leaders who want Jesus crucified, and Pilate doesn't feel so good about that, but they threaten a riot if he doesn't, so, and that would you know, that get Pilate fired, and so he wants to keep his power at any cost. So then he has Jesus whipped, thinking that's going to help, but it doesn't do any good. So finally he just caves in and has Jesus crucified. Weak, vacillating, pushed around by the crowd, passive, fearful, people-pleasing, and spineless, but other than that, he's in control. Meanwhile, Jesus commands the scene with his strong, quiet authority. You see, authority is actually more effective in the end than lording power over people. There's a story about a town in New Jersey where they wanted to uh, have a house for disabled adults. And the neighbors did not want that in their backyard for lots of reasons, so they got petitions together, they got a letter from the state senator, and then they stormed into a city council meeting to demand that the house not be built. Power, power, power. Well, meanwhile, Mother Teresa was in the area giving a speech, and somehow she found out about this city council meeting. So after the speech, she walked into the city council meeting, got down on her knees and started pleading, and said, please, please, these are children of God, would you please give them a home? Even the neighbors changed their mind and decided to let the house go forward. The neighbors had power, and they were locked in a power struggle, but Mother Teresa had Christ-like authority. Now, it is possible to have both power and authority if we use power for good, but of the two, authority is actually more transformative. Now, there's a cost to being people who channel Christ's authority, and I'll get to that in a minute, but there are also some significant blessings of choosing authority over power and power struggles. The first is less stress because power struggles, either at home or at work, those are stressful. Second blessing is it usually means better relationships, at least with the folks closest to us because people don't feel bullied around and they can trust us because we're not just trying to bend them to our will. We're seeking their best. And then the third reward is because authority is actually, a lot more happens through authority than power. We feel significance because of the ways that Jesus moves through us. So in our marriages, friendships, parenting, at the office, how do we break out of all the stress that power struggles cause and instead become channels of Christ-like authority? And by that I don't mean just getting our way by sneakier means. No, I mean submitted to Jesus' authority and having Him move through us in ways that get us out of power struggles. Three things to be channels of Christ-like authority. First, we need to be pursuing something bigger than ourselves namely Jesus' rescue mission. Jesus has authority because he's about something bigger than himself. He is redeeming the world, and Pilate can sense that. Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King had moral authority because they were about something bigger than themselves. They were trying to build Jesus' kingdom, not their kingdom. The word authority comes from the word author. So, you know, and the kind of authority I'm talking about is not our authority based on our credentials or our age or anything like that, it's being submitted to Jesus' authority and participating in what he's doing in the world. We got an email from a mom about our children's ministry and her sixth-grade son, who I'll call Jeff. And everyone in Jeff's family felt close to Jesus except for Jeff, and this really frustrated him. On top of that, Jeff had, a ra- had some anger issues about a whole range of things. Well, this summer he got into trouble at one of our day camps, and the children's ministry team, they they didn't let him off the hook, they held him accountable, but they also surrounded him with a lot of love and a lot of grace, and there were no harsh words. And that made a difference. And so after that, his mom wrote us, and this is what she wrote. She said, after that, something clicked with Jeff. I can only attribute it to being shown the redemptive nature of Jesus. He finally felt Jesus in his heart. From then on, there was a change. He'd show me passages in the Bible with interest and with wonder. His anger, once so pronounced, rarely became explosive. He walked a little taller, and he had this incredible warmth in his smile. A few weeks ago, I told him I saw a change, and I asked what was going on. His exact words were this. He said, Mom, I got Jesus now. Before, everything just made me mad, but it's like Jesus just came into me after camp, and now I have it. I was ticked off. But now I understand that without Jesus, you can't help but be ticked off. Good point. Because our children's team was about something bigger than themselves, they were on board with Jesus' rescue mission, they had authority in Jeff's life, and they made a difference as a result. In fact, if you want to make a difference in someone's life, one of the best ways to do that is to to be part of our children's ministry or our youth ministry. And and yes, this is an ask, uh, a sincere ask, because our vision is that every child is connected, sees Jesus through the life of one adult, and is connected to an adult. And we need more volunteers to do that in children's and youth. And you don't have to be perfect. The staff will help you with that. You just need to be in the ballpark of seeking Jesus. And this is so important for us to be able to change lives for whole families just an hour a week. You can sign up on this sheet that you were handed out or in the lobby afterwards. When we are pursuing something bigger than ourselves, namely Jesus Rescue Mission, we become channels of Christ-like authority and Jesus changes lives through us. Second thing that makes us channels of Christ-like authority is when we sacrifice and serve others. You know, Jesus has authority in our lives because he died on a cross for us. Martin Luther King and, and, and Mother Teresa have authority because they were sacrificing for the good of others. Now, obviously, there's a cost to that, right? We have to sacrifice for the good of others. But the reward is our relationships improve, especially those closest to us, because people trust us, that we're not out just to bully them. I have a friend who reached a crisis point in his marriage. He, he and his wife at first felt called to have college students live in their home. Uh, but that, that, was, that lifestyle was driving her crazy. I mean, the students ate all their food. They were up late at night. They made a lot of noise. It, just, it was wrecking her life. And she wanted them gone. He didn't. The fight got so bad, over time, they just stopped talking to each other. Power struggle. Well, one night he was praying about this, and the thought popped into his head, read the instructions. And knowing that his wife didn't come with an instruction manual, right, as handy as that might have been, uh, he, he picked up the Bible, read Ephesians 5, where it says, husbands love your wives the way Christ loves the church. And he realized that the call in his life was not to get his way. The call in his life was to help his wife become everything she was created to be in Christ. And the students living in their home was getting in the way of that. So the next day, he went to his wife, said at the end of the month, the students will leave. And that's what they did. Their marriage improved. Um, She felt loved. He actually liked the peace and quiet of not having the students in their house. But then nine months later, his wife came back to him and said, you know what? I kind of miss the students. So could we have them back? But this time with rules. And they had students live with them for the next 20 years. He got out of the power struggle and he served. And in her eyes, he gained Christ-like authority. Her respect for him went up not down, because he was seeking her best, and she knew that she could trust him. Now, sometimes sacrificing for the good of others means not giving them what they want, if it's going to hurt them. But if our motive is generally what's best for the other person, whether that's a child or a coworker or a spouse, well, then over time, we don't gain power over that person, but we do become channels of Christ-like authority because folks trust us, and that heals relationships. And just parenthetically, if you listen to that story about that man and his wife that I just told, and if any of you are thinking, huh, so she, he got what he wanted at the end, so if I just sacrifice a little for my wife, then she'll do what I want to do later? No, right? That's not the point of that. The point is, when we seek the best for someone else, we become channels of Christ's authority that changes lives, okay? Pursue something greater than ourselves, sacrifice for others, and then finally, when we we become channels of Christ-like authority, when we use the power we do have for good. Because all of us have power of some kind. It's just how are we going to use it, for good or for ill. See, God has given us all some sphere of influence, and we exercise power in that sphere of influence. Pastor John Ortberg puts it this way, if I go into work and the tasks I've assigned have been completed, what does it mean? Well, it means I'm in charge. This is my kingdom. If I walk into my kids' rooms and the beds are made and the chores are done just as I commanded, what does it mean? It means I'm in charge. This is my kingdom. If I walk through the door of my house at the end of the day and my slippers are laid out by the lazy boy and my iced tea is ready and the dinner is on the stove, what does it mean? It means I've walked into the wrong house. God has given all of us some sphere of influence and we have power. How are we going to use it? Pilate says to Jesus, don't you realize I have the power either to free you or crucify you? But Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. In other words, we all have power, but it is not ours. It's given to us from God, and it's meant to be used for good, not for our purposes, not for our advancement. So maybe you're a manager or a teacher or a coach. Maybe you have financial power or you're an elected official or you have connections how can you use that for good? Maybe that means helping a younger colleague thrive at work, even if that means you get fewer accolades and that colleague gets more. What you lose in accolades, you will gain in, in, in significance because that guy is like a woman is likely to look at you as a mentor and they're going to return all kinds of love to you for that. Maybe you're a teenager and you can use your social power to help someone who is on the margin socially feel more included. Whatever it is, when we pursue Jesus' rescue mission, sacrifice for others, and use the power he gives us for good, we break out of the stress of power struggles and become channels of Christ-like authority that makes all things new. I came across a photo in a magazine a couple of years ago. It was taken at a KKK rally. And there was, at this rally, there was also a mob of anti-Klan ralliers. And at one point, the anti-Klan mob attacked one of the Klansmen wearing a Confederate flag t-shirt. The anti-Klan mob attacked this Klansman, pushed him to the ground, and was going to beat him with clubs. Well, when that happened, suddenly, out of the crowd, this black teenager runs out and throws her body in front of the Klansmen. Okay, she's African-American. Throws her body in front of the Klansman to protect him. When the anti-Klan mobs saw that, they put their clubs down and they started walking away one by one. But also when the Ku Klux Klan saw that, they put their signs down and they started walking away and the Klan rally ended. The caption on that picture said that this girl had performed an alchemy more miraculous than turning lead into gold. She had turned violence into peace. When she was asked later, why'd you do it? She said, I don't know. I guess it's just I thought what Jesus would do. And you gotta wonder what happened to this Klansman after that. I mean, do you think that moment changed him at least a little? I mean, I bet it was a li- at least a little bit harder for him to be a racist after that moment. This teenage girl had no power. In fact, she was slated to be a victim of the Ku Klux Klan, but she broke out of the power struggle dilemma that they were in and found a third way. She was about something bigger than herself. She sacrificed for the good of someone else. She used what power she had for good and as a result she channeled Christ-like authority into that situation and brought healing where there was only violence and if she can do that at a clan rally what can you do where you're at so where are you in a power struggle at home or at work or in some kind of a relationship will you instead of trying to get your way or win the day will you instead this day put yourself under the authority of Jesus and ask Jesus, how can I partner with you in what you want to do in this situation and be about something bigger than me? And will you sacrifice and serve for the good of someone else, not to manipulate them, but just for their good? And then will you use your power to bring healing, reconciliation, and restoration? Maybe that's doing something like volunteering in our Sunday school or for our youth. Or maybe it's something you do for someone at work or at home to bring healing and restoration. You know, there's a historical irony in the story that we read about Pilate in that, you know, Pilate in this story is trying so hard to hang on to his power. He's just fearful he's going to lose his power. But here's the irony. You know what happened to him? Two years later, Pilate was fired by the emperor for incompetence. Right after that, the emperor himself was assassinated because everyone hated the emperor, so much for the emperor's power. See, power goes away no matter what. One way or the other, we always lose it. Right? So then Pilate, after that, was exiled to Gaul, which is modern-day France, a fate apparently worse than death, because when Pilate got there, he killed himself. And the only reason, the only reason anyone has ever heard about Pontius Pilate is because of the Jewish carpenter he crucified and then probably forgot all about. I mean, how many Roman governors have you heard of? Right? Just one, Pontius Pilate. Right? And ain't nobody naming their kids Pontius these days, right? The only reason we know about him is not because of his power, But because he's part of Jesus' story. You see, power, at the end of the day, isn't all that powerful, because it always goes away. But Christ like authority changes relationships, changes us, and changes the world. Without doubt, the person who changed the world more than anyone else is Jesus. He launched a movement that continues to this day, but question how many armies did he have? How many degrees did he earn? How many titles did he hold? born in nowheresville, wrote no books, made no fortune, commanded no army, was executed as a criminal, but no king or emperor or army has ever changed more lives than Jesus. You see, the cross is this historical conundrum that the weakest thing in the world actually conquered the world. And it's this theological weirdness. Nobody had ever heard of a God who gets murdered by his own creation. You wouldn't make that story up. What kind of God is that? He's the God revealed in Jesus who has authority by being a servant, who transforms the world by giving himself away. That's radical. That's revolutionary. That's the third way. The power revolution that Jesus announces is it ain't about power. It's by being powerless servants that we change ourselves and we change the world. So power or Christ-like authority, what's going to be your call? So Jesus asked that you would help us to be fully submitted to your authority. Be about what you are about, something bigger than ourselves. So that we can be the channels of Christ-like authority in a world that desperately needs to be made new, not by power, but by the power of your love through us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.